You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. You are listening to Orange County's longest running business talk show, and I am your host, Rick Franzi, and boy, do I have a good show planned for you. Why? Because Reba Lasansky is my guest. She's the founder and CEO of Grow Biz Media. She's a returning guest to the show, and she's my good friend. So Reba, welcome to the show. I am so excited to be with you, Rick. I'm sure we have so much to talk about. Yes. And let's start at the beginning with your origin story. So take us back in time. And what was the original inspiration or motivation for you to start Grow Biz Media? Like so many um, business owners, I was frustrated on my job. I had worked at Entrepreneur Magazine for over 30 years and um, it was just like enough already. I'm tired of making money for them. I'm tired of following stupid, archaic rules and things that don't make sense, you know, in the 2000s. Like, are you kidding me? And I was just like, I got to get out of here or I'm going to go nuts. So that was it. I left. Was it, it sounds like it was a combination of, it kind of was building. I mean, it was, it was, you know, I think that um, as a woman in, in, I was the first general, I was the first female editor of a general business magazine. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, as a woman and, and you see, and you're, you're trying to break a barrier and another barrier. And then, I mean, truthfully, I'll really be honest. I had a staff of young women who I basically, mostly not only, who I hired out of college and were very loyal and stayed with me and had gotten married and had babies and were their editors, right? You, We've learned in the, the pandemic, you can do this, that, anywhere. And so we're working some kind of flex hours because when daycare's done, somebody's got to get that kid or when you know, third grade lets out, somebody's got to be with that kid. And all of a sudden it was like, no, people can't work flex time. And I'm like, Mm. like, you can't work at home with all, you're not talking to anybody. You're on a computer. And I was just like, (laughs) you know, this is, it was like the mid two thousands. And I'm like, this is, this is crazy. Why, why, why would I subject myself and other people to that? So I was like, I'm done. So I love to ask founders of companies, entrepreneurial enterprises, how long did it take before you felt that you had a business in Grow Biz Media that could you could depend on, you could scale, that was the right thing for the market? Well, from when I decided to leave um, was November of 2007, and I left in April of 2008. And I feel like, so that's when I kind of, um, I was in a different situation. I had a reputation. I knew, you know, I kind of left with knowing that I was going to get hired immediately to do content for certain um, companies and websites. So um, I left pretty confident when I, when I actually left that, that it was going to be okay. 
And, you know, it's been a long time and <laughs> we've had good months and bad sure. months, but still here, right? You're still here. Still so thinking. what's in the name? Grow Biz Media. Well, we're, you know, our whole mission is to help people grow their businesses. So that's what, that's how I came up with Grow Biz. It's about, uh, you know, it's not about me. It's about you. It's about all the entrepreneurs mm -hmm. out there, the ones who want to start, the ones who have started. I, one of the things that I don't think has changed since I actually started working um, in the entrepreneurial space in the late 1970s is that people as educated as you are, you can have, you know, an MBA or you can not. It, no matter what, the, there's a great equalizer in until you actually get started and are in the midst of this, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And so you you don't even know necessarily all the questions to ask or what to do or if you're doing this wrong. And there's so many things in, that the IRS requires, that the federal government requires, that you're just clueless about. And so my mission is to like say, hey, did you know <laughs> and tell you that, hey, here's something you need to know, or here's something new, something you know that you may not have heard of before, or here's what other um other people in your space are doing, you know, one of the things like I love to read, I love to, I've just always loved to read. And so one of my favorite things is reading all this stuff and finding, you know, other things that I can tell people. And one of the things that amazes me is how few small business owners read trade press, right? Mm -hmm. Like for rest, if you own a restaurant, I don't care, you know, how tiny your little hole in the wall. You should be reading Nation's Restaurant News. And you can subscribe to the digital edition for like 30 bucks a year, like 30 bucks. And you get so much information. And there's newsletters that you can get for free. And it's just part of, I'm not telling you to read everything, but you need to catch up on what's going on in your space. Because again, you don't know, and the country's so big and there's so many trends and, and, retailers, you're no longer selling to a, to a neighborhood, you know, you're selling to everybody. So you need to know what's going on all over the country, not just what's going on in your area. So you, I mentioned at the top of the show that you're returning guests. We don't do that a lot here on Critical Mass Business Talk Show, but we, we wanted to have you back on. It was 2016, the last time you were on oh, the, on the show, so, right? Yeah. Um, so just, Remind me and our audience, what is it that you're doing to help these entrepreneurial companies to grow? So what we do is I'm a content creator, right? So I have our companies grow biz media. Our website is smallbusinesscurrents.com. And on our site, we have new content every day telling you the things you need to know. But I also do a lot of writing for other sites. I write for allbusiness.com. I had a piece go up on Forbes yesterday. Um, that, that happens about twice a month. Um, I do a lot of writing for SCORE. Um, I just did an, a webinar for SCORE. This was amazing to me. I did a webinar two weeks ago uh, for women about how to get grants and loans. And in the middle of the day, we had 2,400 live people. Wow. Yeah. Like I was like astounded um, listening because 
that that's a big thing. Grants, you can get, you know, a grant is you get money and you don't have to pay anything back. And, and so it's, to me, it's just about the imparting of information. I'm going to find something out and I'm going to tell you what I've learned. And that's it. And that's so valuable because, you know, starting a business and growing a business is all consuming. It is. It is totally. <laughs> yeah. And, and you can, but you can fall into the trap as the entrepreneur of like spending all your time in the business. Right. And not coming up to learn best practices or to read articles or subscribe to journals that you should be knowing because. Of... And, and we're living in a time where things are changing so oh, rapidly, yeah. so much innovation that sometimes you look at something and go, oh, I'll never understand that. And you like ignore it, right. but it's so valuable. It can save you time and money and a lot of energy, but you don't know. Again, you don't know what you don't know. So is, do you think, I'm going to ask you about artificial intelligence here in a minute, but before I go there, I just, you know, you love to read and you love to write. Is from one woman's opinion, seeing, working with others, is that becoming a lost art, loving to write? Is it, do you, yeah. are you still seeing it in people or is it sort of no, not as I, prevalent? It's not, I think it's not as prevalent because um, you don't have magazines anymore, right? Where you could, I mean, they're still there, but people aren't reading as much. They're reading more online where it needs to be shorter. So they're yes. not delving into, um, you know, big issues or the ones that are so niche that there's not a lot of people reading them. So I think the art of, I think fiction writing is still there, but mm -hmm. the art of um, nonfiction, not history, history. I think there's still a lot of interest in history, but about business I don't, I don't, I think that's kind of gone. And in one sense, I think it's because you don't have time to sit down and read a book on how to write a business plan, right? <laughs> it, it's like, well, you, yeah. so you can go online, go find out what you need to go. Yeah. And then move on. Like, yeah. I think it's a lot more, some things are, it's okay because it's more actionable. And that's what, that's what business owners need today. They need to know what they need to know, how to, put it into action and then and then put it into action and move on to the next step. You but can't the, dwell. The art, the art of taking your thoughts, organizing them and documenting them is really important. If you choose to do it through writing, then that's one way. If you choose to do it through oration and speaking, that's another. But it, I feel like sometimes um, the headlines are all that people read. Like they read the headlines. Yeah. I got the gist of it. So really the the authors now are headline writers for magazines and online publications. In, in a sense, but like that webinar I just told you about. So there were 2,400 live people. And I do webinars for SCORE at least once a year. This year it'll be twice. Um, I've never had that big an audience before. And I got 25 emails thanking me, asking me questions. So people, so, and there, you know, it's a PowerPoint, but it's still, it's still organizing your thoughts mm -hmm. and, and saying, okay, you know, you have to go from one place. I find PowerPoints actually harder to do than writing 2000 words. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it doesn't yeah. flow as easy, but you're, but it's the same, it's the same skill set, right? right? You're taking a mound of information 
and breaking it down into smaller steps and trying to put it in a way that people go, okay, I start here mm -hmm. and then I go here and then I go here. Like, like one of the things that I think a lot of people starting up maybe don't know is about when you start, you have to get an EIN number, an employer identification number, even if you you don't have, you're not an employer, right? right? Maybe you don't have any employees and you don't intend to, but the banks, they won't even let, most banks will not let you even open a business bank account if you don't have an EIN. They don't tell you that. People don't know that. They're like, what, huh? And the, it's free. You know, the, you can get, EINs are free. The government, you go, the IRS website, you fill out a form, bam, you get one. I mean, it's it's so, it takes five minutes. But people don't know that. And I think that that's, that's part of the stuff that, that as we've grown in terms of small business ownership over the years, as more and more people start businesses, the process has gotten a little bit more complex and a little bit harder of what you need to do, particularly with online. I think online has just revolutionized every aspect of almost every business. So speaking of technology that has the potential to do that, let's turn our focus to artificial intelligence and how you're seeing it affect your field of endeavor and possibly what you're doing inside your business to leverage it. So I have read people go, you know, I would never touch that. I would never use it. And I don't believe people who say that. I just don't because it there are things that you can use AI for that I use it for. Um, I'm a big, I, I use two. Um, I don't, I'm cheap. So I use the free version of ChatGPT and Bard. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes I ask them both the same question and, mm -hmm. and merge, merge the info. But one of the things that I found it really useful for is sometimes I get, and I know you must too, you get this press release and there's a nugget in there, but you can't quite figure out what they're trying to tell you because there's all these words and hyperbole built around that. So I will copy the press release into ChatGPT and say, give me 10 questions related to this press release that I could ask somebody in an interview. And I am amazed mm -hmm. about the question because the the machine is able to like cut out all and you know, I have to change them. I, I don't necessarily take them exactly because sometimes the machine talks like it's like trying to impress you. Like, ooh, I, I can use big words that are not appropriate. But it really gets to the heart of stuff. And so I find it really good for that. And I find it really good for generating headlines mm -hmm. like that mm -hmm. just make you think you may not pick that headline, but it gives you the germ of a start. So I, I'm a big fan. I'm not, I'm not going to lie and say, oh, no, I would never use it. Well, but it almost sounds as though you're suggesting that it's somewhat of a creativity partner for you a bit. It's a great way to brainstorm. It okay. is. It's a brainstorming partner. Um, and writing is, um, it's a lonely profession, right? Because right, right. like you're sitting there and, and, you know, sometimes you're just sitting at that screen, just trying to find that first word or first sentence and it's just not coming to you, you know? And so if you, you play, I, you can't rely. I, I look at um, artificial intelligence as a tool 
um, I would not ever do something and take it straight from there. It needs to be edited. It needs to be put in your tone, in your voice. It needs to flow with everything else you're trying to say. But sometimes it's like if you if you were in an office and you had a, a co-writer or a, co or a partner, it's some it's something. I don't want to say somebody. It's a thing to bounce an idea off of, and you can go back. It can it can give you five things and you can go back and say, I don't understand number three and it'll come back to you. I mean, it's, it's creepy in a way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Someone told me, someone said, always be polite to it. And <laughs> I'm like, what does that mean? So I'm always polite because I don't want to find out what that yeah, means. <laughs> yeah. Don't talk harshly to your Alexa or your right? Google. Yes. Oh, yeah. treat them with mean. respect. Yeah. <laughs> They're <mean>. listening. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. exactly. So, so you've been involved in small business in the startup space for some time. Yes. I, I'm, I'm, what are the trends that you're seeing? Maybe post COVID or just with the millennials and Gen Z's becoming entrepreneurs, but what are you seeing Reva in that space? Well, first of all, the big trend since COVID has been startups again. For, right before COVID for probably five years, startups were lagging. And I think there's a number of reasons for that. I kept saying to people, it's generational. Um, people don't start businesses generally in their 20s. They generally wait till their 40s and 50s to hmm. start. And the people in their 40s and 50s when things were lagging were um gen x and there were there's so many fewer of gen xers you know there's there were 77 million boomers there were 84 million millennials and there was this little group of gen xers kind of sandwiched <laughs> in there and so there weren't as many of them they weren't starting um a lot of boomers were staying in business longer because 65 today is not what 65 was 20 years ago, right? Amen. So they're not like, oh, I'm going to go retire. So there was that. And I kept saying to people, it's generational, it's generational. So part of that, I think, happened. And then COVID happened. And COVID was like um, what happened in the 90s when the big entrepreneurial revolution started. People were like, oh, I can work at home. Oh, I can do this. Oh, I can do this. I can, I can, you know, start my own business. And the number of starts and the government measures starts by actual applications for EIN numbers, because hmm. you have to get that number from the IRS. So they keep track. And I, I looked it up just for this show. So September, which is the last month, obviously, since we're still in October, there were 473,000 people who requested um, EIN numbers in the month of September. Last year, 5 million businesses, 5 million people. I don't, you know, we don't know that they actually started or lasted, right. but that's, but we know 5 million businesses were started last year and about the same the year before. So the big trend is people are starting. And what that means is, depending on the kind of business you're in, you know, you B2B, if you, if you're a wholesaler, you've got a whole lot of new businesses that you can contact as customers. And it's about reaching out and finding them. And a lot of them are online 
And one of the bigger complaints um, for entrepreneurs today is still about supply chain. They, they're still, they say they're having issues with supply chain. So if you have stuff to supply, hmm. there's a whole lot of people out there looking to buy your, your, your goods. And so I think that the good news in entrepreneurship is if it feeds itself, somebody starts and it feeds the person here who's been in business a while because they can sell to them and, and it, it just keeps growing and growing and growing. And I think it's pretty healthy right now. I mean, of course, there are complaints. Access to capital has always been a complaint. I don't think it'll ever not be, but it's better than it used to be. You know, it, it's for sure better than it used to be. And without getting too much into the details, I'll bet there's a better diversity of individuals who are getting those EIN numbers as well. And so we're we're seeing a vibrancy that we maybe didn't see historically. Yes. I actually just did a series for SCORE, um, which is a great organization. You know, you can get free help at SCORE about... Um, about the diversity um, in terms of, I did one for on women, on Black entrepreneurs and Hispanic entrepreneurs. Oh, I actually did one on Asian American entrepreneurs too, about what's going on in the space. Um, I, I, I did a whole thing, this was interesting. Um, I did a whole thing on restaurants and the minority group that owns the most restaurants in America are Asian Americans. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, I thought that was really, in, you know, an interesting, and conversely, Americans love to eat Asian cuisine, so. Well, and as you're saying that, I'm thinking there are so many varieties that yes. you, you, you could have that fit underneath that umbrella, the yes. term Asian cuisine. So there's another reason that you can sample so many different types of food too. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. But oh, it's, yeah. but it's, it's great that, that, um, there's still some problems out there. The The playing field is not level. Um, keep reading my stuff because I have something I'm very angry about and I'm going to write about it. Okay. Um, but diversity is really important. Diversity is important for us as a country so everybody can have the ability to make money, hire people, improve their community, which you know, you improve a community, you improve a bigger community, and the whole country prospers. And that's that's our goal, right? Is right. to have economic wealth distributed throughout the nation. So and, and people need to see people like them who are achieving things that they would like to achieve to believe they actually can do it. So yes. And and um, so that's valuable that the the, the, the descendant, the yeah. role model, right? That that perspective. There was so, a Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I was going to say there's a there's a survey that Bank of America puts out uh, twice a year. They're a small business mm -hmm. owner spotlight, and the one they do in the fall is uh, covers specifically a lot of the different minority groups, and the the Hispanic Latino um, gr group of entrepreneurs said one of the reasons they do this is to act as role models in their community, right. and I think that that's really important because you're right. People go. Oh, they did it. I can do it. And, you know, you hire, you hire kids. My dad had a store when I was a kid, always hired a neighborhood kid. Always. <laughs> some, hey. were, some were cute too. Uh-oh. <laughs>
Hey, now we're getting now we're getting to the real issues here in opportunity. I, I was 13. You know? Yeah, what a, what a great <laughs> age, huh? If someone yeah. would like to find you online, how do they do that, Reva? Well, I'm I'm everywhere. I'm on LinkedIn, you know, Reva Lasonsky. It's R-I-E-V-A-L-E-S-O-N. S-K-Y. I'm still on Twitter. I'm not sure why, but it's Reva, R-I-E-V-A. And I actually have presences on all the sites. I'm on Blue Sky. I'm on, but I haven't really, I haven't figured out to have time in the day to post everywhere because I don't know what's going to be their surviving one. But I want, that's my resolution right now is to figure out how I can just go, okay, I'm going to post on Goose Spy and I'm going to post on Threads and Mastodon and Spoutable and Post. And because I don't know, because you don't know. That's one of the disruptive things that happened, right? Five years ago, Twitter was very um, useful for a lot of small Mm -hmm. businesses and today, not so much. It's That's amazing. what I'm hearing. How, and how fast technology, social media reps to where what was awesome for a couple of years becomes passe pretty quickly. Yes. And it's the rate of change and adoption. It's 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 a challenge to maintain a viable platform, I would think, yes. that crosses multi-generations. I'm a big fan of LinkedIn. We're streaming it live here today on LinkedIn. If you are, yes. I I mean, I always say to people, find where your audience is, but right. always post on LinkedIn because that's, <laughs> that's where other businesses are, right? right. And so to me, it's, it's always this plus LinkedIn. I, yeah. I'm a really big believer in LinkedIn. Thank you. Yeah, we're on YouTube and LinkedIn, and that's where our audiences show up, our YouTube channel and here on LinkedIn. So my friend, well, let's not wait seven years till yeah, the next time not. you're back on the show. <laughs> I'd love to have you back on, and thanks for being a part of it today. Oh, uh, my pleasure, Rick. And we we should get together. We will. And okay. I'd like to thank the audience. You've been a part of Orange County's longest-running business talk show. Reva's show is now a part of our archives, which have over 1,400 interviews, mostly with Orange County entrepreneurs. If you are an Orange County entrepreneur and you have a story to tell, then you should reach out to either me, Rick, R-I-C, Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I. That's my LinkedIn name. Or that's our website as well, rickfrancy.com. Or Haley Stern, our producer, and we can get you ready to be a future guest on the program. Until the next time we have a chance to be together, I hope all of your business decisions move your company in a positive direction.